Welcome, everyone, to this week's special episode, which is a co-production of the Main Street Business Podcast and the Directed IRA Podcast. We have the co-host of that show, yours truly, Matt Sorensen, along with the guy who started it all, really, Mark oh. J. Kohler. Well, thank you, Mr. Sorensen. And this topic is so important. We have to do a co-production. We had to make sure that this topic was like, it really should be on both podcasts. And this wasn't Matt and Mark being lazy about doing two different podcasts and trying to get a two for one. That just happens to be a benefit. That just happens to work. <laughs> Ironically. Yeah. There's that, that was not even a thought. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't even part of it. I can assure you. Uh, so thanks everybody. Yeah. You might be uh Never even heard of Main Street Business Podcast. That is our separate podcast that's all about small business, uh, Main Street America, side hustle, big business, small business, but entrepreneurs. We love that, saving money, making money, protecting it. If you haven't heard of the Directed IRA Podcast, that is our podcast separately dedicated to investing your retirement accounts, SEP, Simple, Coverdale, IRAs, 401ks, Roth, all the above, and taking control of your retirement accounts and anything related to that. But today's theme, Matt, someone who's written yeah. on this, you're passionate about yeah. this. I'm passionate about it. This is a chapter in my book, baby. Due diligence. How exciting can that be? And I know before you turn off and you're like, wait, what did I just start listening to? A podcast on due diligence? Just, you know, yeah. hang in there, okay? Okay, bear with me. Okay, we've got a top 10 list. Now, Mark and I did this about 10 years ago, I want to say. I don't know if it's a webinar or a really old podcast or back when Mark had his radio show. I don't know. But we came up with this top 10 list and we really sat down and we're like, okay, what are like the 10 things we wish we could tell clients before they go into an investment? When they're taking some money, whether it's their personal funds or their IRA or whatever, and they're investing into some deal, what do we want them to think about? And we made this top 10 list and, you know, in uh, homage to David Letterman, if you will. Yes. Now, what's happened over those 10 years, sorry that we play off that number a little bit here for a moment, yeah. is really the list is expanded and or we've really, gosh, after 10 years of helping clients around the country, we've learned so much, seen so much carnage and success, both extremes yeah. and a lot of in between. Uh, we felt like we've really needed to have a, another podcast that updates this topic. Now, since then, we've Matt's written a chapter in a book and I talked, I did a webinar for a group the other day and covered what I thought was the top 10 or 12 or 15 or whatever. So at the end of this show, I can guarantee you there's going to be more than 10. Matt said that he's going to update his most current blog article on this. I'm taking notes and I'm looking down at the list of 10 and I've already got a few thoughts. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Brian, uh, a, a family uh, relative that I talked with yesterday about this. And I said, dude, you got to listen to this podcast when we're done because he was debating an investment in a PPM, which we're going to talk about here. And so this is good stuff. Uh, yeah. It's a good reminder for all of us. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And of course we're processing them every day here at directed IRA. Some, I mean, 10 times a day, we're processing some investment um, into a, a PPM or other type of investment like this. And, and it's your job. You know, you're, it's not your IRA custodian. I mean, you can engage a lawyer or other professionals to help you do due diligence, 
But at the end of the day, it's the investor's responsibility. As we always say, you got to be captain of your own ship, so to speak. You know, you, you've got to be the one at the end that knows what's going on, even though you may be engaging professionals along the way. All right. Now, what we want to do is hit that. We're going to just run through the top 10 first, give you the roadmap so you kind of know where we're going. Then we're going to go back and go through them and probably elaborate and add in some more. But um, let me start. You want to want me to hit a few, Mark? You hit a few. What do you want? Yeah, and I'd like that when I listen to my podcasts, I kind of like to see an overview of where we're headed because many of you are like, eh, am I really going to keep this podcast on? I don't I don't want to be held captive till I get the final 10 or 12 or 15, whatever it's going to yeah. be. And so I'm going to – The yeah, 10th gonna, tip is the best one. That's my favorite actually. So I wish, Which one? So the 10th one. The 10th one. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Gosh. Okay. I'm going to start writing them down and then I'll you you do your 10 and then I'm going to add a few to it. Maybe. Okay. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go backwards. Oh, is that bad? Okay. I'll go no. backwards. On. Okay. All okay. right. Let's start from the end. All right. Okay. Keep the end hey, in mind. Number 10, be comfortable saying no. Number nine. I'm, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing these. Number nine, seek the opinion of another investor or business owner. Now, we're going to elaborate on these and give some examples as we go. Number eight, make sure the lawyer representing you is representing your interests, not the other person's. We'll elaborate on that. Seven, if you're pressured that this opportunity will pass if you don't invest, don't invest. Six, Investigate the background of the person or persons you're entrusting your money or investment with. Five, if you're investing in a PPM, you should get a lot of documents and paperwork. <laughs> a little lengthier explanation, but that's suffice for now. Uh, four, if you're loaning money on real estate, demand some type of protection on title on the real estate. There's different ways you can do that. We'll go through the different options you might have. Three, if you're told that you can get a commission for bringing your other friends or family members into this investment, don't invest your money in the first place. Two, if you aren't given adequate documents outlining what's been explained verbally to you with the commitments that were verbally told to you in a sales pitch, don't invest. And number one, if you don't understand how the business or investment makes the returns being promised, don't invest. All right, that's the top ten list. Um, now hey, we'll circle I, back. I'm back add these. a few more. Okay. What was the last one? Filling in the the last one was number no. one. If you don't yeah. understand how the business or investment makes the returns being promised, okay. don't invest. Basically, if you I don't understand it. it, don't invest in it. Yeah, and you know what's crazy is Matt and I have taught a a class on this. We co-taught a class for a group uh, in Phoenix years ago on this, and it took three hours to go through this stuff. Um, this is a lot to cover. Um, so we're going to do our best to maybe just kind of highlight a few thoughts on each item. Now, I want to say one too. I'm going to throw out a few. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. If you're going to invest, um, that's okay, but don't... But, and we're going to talk more about it. So I, I won't elaborate. So don't put all your okay. eggs in one. Good. So don't okay. go out and buy, don't go out and buy GameStop stock, all your entire portfolio. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put this one. Know the difference between being a lender 
a partner or an investor? You've got to know that difference. Okay. Watch out. I'm going to put watch out for infinity fraud. Watch out for infinity fraud. Is that is that like the car infinity or is that like the affinity, like an A? I believe it's affinity technically. Affinity. Right, that's right. Affinity. Meaning um that's not like I bought a I bought a bad infinity car. That's different. <laughs> yeah. And Matt's got a story about that. Um yeah. yeah, we're talking about affinity, meaning you have a familial relationship or some sort of a, a relationship with someone um other than the actual deal. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put another one. Right. No, and this goes along with Matt's. If you don't understand the deal, walk away. But I think know the terms, know your terms. And I'm going to give an example with this one. Know your terms and what an accredited investor is. Now there's more terms than just accredited investor, but that opens the, because when I was meeting with Brian the other day, I said, do you know what a PPM is? He goes, no. And I go, okay, tell me about this deal. It was a PPM. And so you want to be able to know terms that promoters might throw around so that, um, first of all, you're going to look far more savvy. They're going to be held to a higher standard. And I think you're going to be able to ask better questions. So we're going to talk about that. But yeah. know what an accredited investor is. Is that okay, Matt? Okay. Yeah, love it. Okay, so I added – I added – one, two, four. three, more. So we might get yep. to 15. I kind of like a round number of 15, but there's 14, right. right? Okay. So we got to okay. go back to the start. And All right. You let's say go something. to number one. Okay. Let's go to number one. We'll start there. If you don't okay. understand how the business or investment makes money, don't invest. This seems pretty basic, right? Um, I can't tell you how many times I get documents from a client that wants to invest in something. And I'm like, what? like how does this make money? Like, when do you get money? They have no idea what the plan is of the business. Um, they're just given a document that says pretty much here's how much you need to invest and here's where to wire it to. It's like, okay. I mean, the, the, I, I wouldn't send that much money <laughs> under those types of conditions. So make sure you have a good understanding of what the business is and how to invest. Now, one of the big crazes has been crypto, right? Crypto has been hot. How many of you understand crypto? I, there's a lot of people that bought it that don't understand it. And there's two different theories on crypto of why people buy it. I want, you know, there's people who buy it as a store of value, like Bitcoin, who see it more like gold and it's a store of value. And there's people who buy it because it's a technologically more savvy way in the future of transacting, which could be other cryptocurrencies, not necessarily Bitcoin. So, but just if you're going to get into crypto or whatever it is and put lots and lots of money in it, like if you want to throw 500 bucks at it or a thousand bucks, whatever, you know, that fits your budget. But if you're going to go all in on an investment, which a lot of private investments take have a 50 grand minimum, understand what the heck it is. Okay. Dig deep in it, do some research. That's number one for me. Okay. And I want to tell a quick story about this one. Maybe I'll be color commentary sometimes. Maybe Matt will tell a story. Yeah. Uh, each item. Here's the story that goes along with that one with me. And I'll never forget it. And this guy was from Texas and he was kind of, I don't know. A lot of people I know from Texas are colorful guys or women. They're, they're fun. They're boisterous. They've got a lot of personality. I don't know what it is in Texas, what's in the water down there. But I remember talking with him and he was like, Mark, 
you know, and I'm looking at this deal and da, 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 and he's telling me about it and he goes, yeah, I didn't do it. I looked around the room and realized I was the dumb money. And I was like, what are you saying? He, and let me repeat that. He goes, I looked around the room and he goes, I realized I was the dumb money. And I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, Mark, he said, it's just like a poker game. There's someone at the table that's getting fleeced. They don't know what they're doing. They shouldn't even be at the poker table. And as soon as you can figure out who it is, the better. Because if you can't figure out who it is, it's probably you. <laughs> so <laughs> if, I can't, if I can't figure out who the dumb person is in here throwing their money around, it's probably me. Because yeah. there's all someone. It's just kind of the dumb money in the table, at the table or in the room. I said, all right, I like it. And uh, I thought that was a fun standard to live by. So, yeah, I like it. Okay. Let me hit number two. All right. Um, If you are not given adequate documents outlining what has been explained to you verbally, what's in the sales pitch, why they got your attention in the first place, don't invest. Now, this is a common one we'll see of clients that even well-intended clients, I think, make some mistakes. They'll they'll send the documents for the investment. And this is sent to as a lawyer. You know, there's some talking about me as a lawyer, not a directed IRA. Okay. Just be clear that we're self-directing. If you send documents over and say, send money for this, we're sending money. Like I'm not, we're not overlooking you and saying, don't do that. Or you should add this. Like that's not their, their role. But so I'm saying as a lawyer here, you know, I get documents from a client and they say, yeah, I'm investing in this. Here's what I'm getting. Here's why I'm all excited about it. And then I go read the document. It has nothing to do with what they told me they were getting. It doesn't even say the terms. And it's it's very generic. It's confusing. What the person thought they were getting is not actually in the document. And, and, and but then the clients will say, yeah, but they, they emailed me and said I would get that. Okay, then put it in the documents. Because I guarantee you, you ain't getting that. <laughs> At the end of the day, from a legal standard, there's something called the parole evidence rule, okay? And this is not the evidence that you get to put on at your parole hearing when you're trying to get out of prison. This is something different. But there's this rule that's like, hey, and then a contractual deal, what's in the contract is what's in the contract, and that's it. Once you put a final agreement to writing, you're like, I'm investing. Here's the money I'm giving you. Here's the terms I'm agreeing to get back. Everything else outside of that contract, the emails, the prior conversations is inadmissible, you cannot even use it in your trial to say, well, I was promised I would also get this, or I was also supposed to get that. Even if it's an email and it's in writing and it's unmistakable. Okay. So make sure that at the end of the day, the final documents that you're signing off on when you're investing represents what you um, understand the investment is. Here's my example. I was talking to someone. <laughs> re- no, this is good. Maybe I'll, I'll, you, I'll you know, say like the next thing. Yeah. And you, you get to do the example on the next one, but here's right. the example. That I was talking to someone recently and he was talking about his friend. Now this is going to go down our affinity fraud concern later, but he was talking to this friend in his neighborhood. That's obviously successful, big cars, you know, big house, flashy, this flashy, that. And he said, um, he was telling me about the deal and he says, uh, you know, normally we go after the big folks, you know, and the big money, but I can find a spot for you. You know, I'll let we'll you make, in. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you in. And he goes, I'm... yeah. And then he goes, um, and he says, now this is what our normal returns are. 
I mean, we're, we're doing this, we're getting three times that and two times this and all this now, but I just want to give you the base bare minimum though. We're going to at least do this. And that's what you'll see in the documents. But let me tell you otherwise. I mean, it's really good. You can't, if they're going to give you fluff and all these amazing promises, that better darn well be in the freaking document. And don't you dare rely on it unless it's in the document. Mm-hmm. And when I was talking to him, I said, well, that's what I said. Well, I, but I'm going to, I'm going to, but at least I can guarantee this. And so I'm going to put that down. That's because he has to put that down. The SEC is making them put that down. They, that's because they can't put in writing what he's promising you. It's, it, it, it was phrased in such a way that it was like, yeah, kind of a wink, wink. Yeah. I got to put this yeah, in writing. Yeah. The good deal. You know, this is really the good stuff over here. And you're like, be wary yeah. of that. Whatever yeah. they promise better be in writing or it ain't worth. This is a family show. It ain't worth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. You could put a little word in there, but you know. Yeah. Insert your word here. Um, yeah. okay. okay. Love that one. Now can I? Yes. I, can I do one? I'll explain it. And then yeah. you give a funny or any uh, sort of example. Okay. Deal. Deal. Number three. If they come to you and say, hey, by the way, if you can bring someone else in, I'll get you a commission. I'll get you a kickback. I can get you more percentage. I can, if there's any sort of perk offered to you for bringing someone else to the table, that is illegal. That, and when I say illegal, I think the SEC would probably call it criminal. And if it got bad enough and enough people were brought in and made promises, you're going to get indicted along with everybody else because the person that loses their money is going to say, well, so-and-so introduced it to me. And if they go to that person under oath and go, did you get any money for bringing that person in? Uh, no, but I got two more percent. That's money. Uh, but I got a car that he let me have that's money that so if someone's offering you a commission, you want to walk away right there because you know yeah. these people are playing in a gray area. So yep. any example or story? I've seen that one so many times. Um, and when Mark says the SEC, I just want to be clear. We're talking about the Securities and Exchange Commission. This is not the Southeastern Conference. Also a very formidable opponent that you don't want to have to deal with. But then we're talking about the SEC. Um <laughs> Uh, Securities Exchange Commission. Okay. So here's one that I have. This is an interesting twist on it. This was someone who called up and wanted advice because he was um, told that if he brought investors into a friend of his deal, someone he met, that he would get 10% of what he brought in. And he wanted to bring in his parents. Okay. Now here's my conversation essentially with that client. I'm, I, I first said, it's like, well, are you licensed? Are you a financial advisor? Are you licensed to get paid for bringing in investors to anything? No. He's like, but it's my parents. You know, what's, what's the risk? Like, they're not going to sue me if this goes on. I said, let's take a step back. Let's think what's going on here. Somebody who's you're going to entrust your parents' monies with is going to illegally pay you a commission for bringing it in. Is that the type of business and person you want to entrust your parents' money with? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I was like, 
just that, that you just don't want to deal with people. The companies that pay those illegal commissions for bringing in money, um, you have to be very, very wary of. Now, there are some things called finder fees and things that are some exceptions, but that does not, the finder fee, I just want to be clear on, that exception does not apply on a commission. So a finder fee would be someone who's like a public figure, you know, that's like, hey, I'm just a public figure and they basically pay you for marketing, but they don't pay you based on money coming in or anything like that. So most of the time what we're getting called on is, hey, if I bring in investors, I get a, I get a cut, I get a, a, a commission basically, a 10%, 5%, 20%, whatever. So and, and a flat um, fee always the same Yeah, and a flat fee is the same problem. They can't say- exactly. Commission, it's not a percentage, it's a thousand dollars. Same problem. Yep. Yep. But if you say, but if someone comes to me and says, Hey Mark, will you talk about it on your podcast? And we'll pay you three thousand dollars flat fee to talk about it. Oh, I'm still nervous. But that yeah. would be more dangerous, <laughs> you know, that I talked about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the fee is not three thousand. I just want to say that's add a couple zeros onto that. But yeah. um <laughs> I'm just teasing. But uh yeah, so okay. 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 Now I've got a good story for number five. Um, okay. It should be lots of documents. So you explain, and then I'll, I'll share a story on that one. All right. Well, we got four still. We got the loaning money on real estate. You want me to do that one? I'll explain well, that. You were kind of going backwards. We did loans. Oh, no, no, no. Loans get security. That's where we're at, right? Yeah. We're on number four. Okay. Yeah. Let me explain let me... that one. Then. Okay. And I'll, give, I'll give an example. Yep. Okay. Right. We're going two, two, two. We're going to keep splitting it up. All right. Okay. Um, if you're going to loan someone money, I think the best way to look at it is you're a bank. And when you deal with a bank, do they just shake your hand and say, you're off, go have fun, bring us back money? It is. <laughs> <laughs> no. Being a bank means they want security. They want teeth in um, some sort of agreement. And to, they're going to want collateral. And sometimes it's a security agreement where you get a, a, a collateral. It could be a stock in a company. It could be, think of a lien on a car. And it could be a, a first trustee or a mortgage on a house. And so you want security. If you're going to loan someone money, the main reason you're doing a loan is so that you do have security. Because if you're just going to give yeah. them money, no, I want to be part of the upside. So a loan means terms. I'm going to get a fixed rate of percentage of return, maybe some points, and I'm going to get paid a certain every time, every month or year or whatever. And there's a there's a ending date of when this note should be paid in full. Well, that doesn't mean you're going to get rich. That's a fixed rate of return. And, it, and because you're willing to take a lower level of return, you're going to get in exchange for that security. And what is that security going to be? And I would highly recommend our podcast on notes uh, last week on directed IRA, yeah. where we talked about the process and everything that's included with that. But when you're a lender, you should be looking for security. Matt, thoughts yep. or stories? For example? Yeah, there's a couple on this one. So, um, I mean, one that I had, this is um, client came in loan someone money, um, uh, that person had defaulted and they basically said, all right, I want to sue them and get a judgment against the property. I loaned them money on. They did an unsecured loan. Okay. And, and to them, they thought, well, 
I know there's this person still owns the property. I didn't want to, they, they, their thinking was, I didn't want to go through the hassle of using a title company and having to get it recorded. I don't even know how to do that, but I can get on legal zoom or the web and like find a promissory note that I can use to loan this person money. And so they, they basically were lazy. Let's be honest. They were lazy and they were cheap. They didn't want to use a title company. Okay. And so lender, use terms in this. You say lender was yeah, cheap. The lender, yeah, lender, yeah, the lender was, was cheap. The, and, okay. and let me say this. When you're the lender, when you're playing the bank and you're loaning money, you make the, buy, the borrower pay for this. Okay. You're going to go to title and close this loan. And this was over $100,000, this loan that this person had made. Go through a title company. The borrower pays for all those costs. Okay. Just that's what the bank makes you do. They make you pay for all that stuff. It protects them, but they make the borrower pay for it do the same. So, um, but he was just basically lazy and then, and cheap, the lender. Now he was defaulted and he came with this expectation of, well, I can sue the person because they still own the property and I'll go collect against the property because I know he's got some equity in it. So we thought, well, what do you expect happened? We go check title. How many people have sued this guy? How many construction liens does he have? It was a rehab project. How many other oh. people loaned him money on this that actually recorded their stuff? I mean, it was it was a wreck. Um, and so, so the client had no security. He had an unsecured loan to someone's company, actually, too, which is another point oh. here. Not oh. even to the individual that was basically doing a rehab deal. So you want to be careful. What I like to tell clients on this is, Think about kind of like WWJD, you know, what would Jesus do? Be like WWBD, what would the bank do, okay? <laughs> Think like the bank, okay? The bank's going to like do all this stuff. They're going to run the borrower through stuff. They're going to use a title company. They're damn well going to get a lien on title and make sure there's equity to make sure that they get paid back. And so if you want to be, be banker and play banker, you don't just, you know, wear the, the cheesy suit or whatever the bankers do and work banker hours. You do the documents, all right? <laughs> I like how Matt used WWJD and swore with damn it and all in the same sentence. So that was, that was very, very, I mean, that's tapestry, words of tapestry. He's woven like Christmas yeah. story. My father could weave a tapestry of swear words. It was known. <laughs> it's hung over the lakes for years. <laughs> good. Uh, okay. Uh, I get a point quoting the first movie. Thank you. That that is point color. Point color. Christmas story. Uh, okay. Should there there should be lots of documents? Okay, Matt. What do you mean by that? Okay, in a PPM. Is that what you're talking about? Okay, number five now. Yep. yep. Number five. Yeah. Okay. So when you have a PPM, there's going to be something called the offering memorandum or the private placement mem- memorandum. That is PPM. Okay. This thing is 30 pages or plus usually, and it basically summarizes the background of who's raising the money, what's their business plan, what are they giving investors, you know, it kind of lays out what the deal is. Now, another important piece that goes with that is what's called a Form D registration. You can go to sec.gov. If anyone gives you a private placement and tells you to invest, go to sec.gov, go to the Edgar search, that's what it's called. And you can type in the PPM and find it. Okay. That's a quick way to verify. Did this person like actually file the form with the SEC to do a PPM? Um, And so you can do that yourself. That's pretty easy to do. Um, I'll have the link in my article when I post it. So you can find out where to go to that, but it is easy to find at sec.gov. 
Um, and that's just an indication if this person's following the rules. Some people will just pull documents offline, try to do it themselves. They don't know what the heck they're doing. They're being cheap. They're not getting good advice. And let me tell you, those are the last funds you want your money invested into. The person that's trying to raise money, that's not talking to lawyers, that's not talking to professionals, that's not following things in compliance with the law, that is the last person you want to invest your money with. That's how they run all of their business activities, okay? And you're just giving them money to go, you know, cause more chaos in how they do their, you know, handle their business. So um, that's what I mean by documents. And one document check you can do is again, sec.gov. Edgar search is what it's called. E-D-G-A, E-D-G-A-R. Um, and you can type in the name of the offering and it should pop up. Now I'll say this, if it doesn't, the only exception to that would be is they haven't received an investment because you actually get 15 days from the day your first investor invests in the private placement to, to file that. So if it's brand new and no one's invested yet, it might not be up. But also that's an indication you may not be want to be the first person investing because <laughs> no one else has yet either. Okay. Now what I've been looking for is I actually wanted to read the, if you've watched this on YouTube, folks, and by the way, you can watch this on YouTube, uh, catch this on Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Spotify. But on YouTube, if you've seen me, I've been kind of looking down at my phone, scrolling, looking for a letter that came from a client. And I swear I took a picture of it because I wanted to always have it in my phone. And let me start with explaining the letter. And if I find it, great. But the, here's the background anyway. I was at a conference and I'd been speaking all day and talking about things like this and tax planning and being safe and asset protection. It's kind of more of an asset protection type presentation. So this woman came up after and said, and was kind of in tears and she just handed me a piece of paper and walked away. And this is about 10 years ago. And I've kept that piece of paper and I took a picture of it so I could always share it if I was on the go. So I just put it in my pocket and I got back to my hotel room and, um, pulled it out and it was just a page and a half handwritten. And essentially the letter said, um, and I'm going to paraphrase it. And unless I get lucky along the way here, she says, Mark, this information you shared today was bittersweet. Um, about three years ago, a guy that we knew well, and she says, approached my husband and said, Hey, I've got this investment. And he said, would you like to invest your retirement in this project? And my, I asked my husband, wasn't there a bunch of documents we should sign? And the guy that was pitching my husband said, what, you don't trust me? And then said under his breath, this is really odd. We normally don't have the wife in these sorts of deals. Oof. And I, this thing was just. The wife? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This guy you know, class A jerk. And she said, so I, we got home and I asked my husband, didn't he give you a bunch of documents to review? Like when we bought a house or something and yeah. the husband, said, Oh, I trust him. He's a good guy. And then I turned the page over for the last half of the story. And she goes, so as I listened to you talk today about asset protection, I'm glad that I've learned this for the future, but after a few months, we quit receiving payments. This man disappeared and claimed bankruptcy. And he basically swim, and she goes, 
And it's sad to know now that he swindled us out of our $2 million retirement. Oh. She goes, we went to talk to securities specialists and attorneys and the feds and the state to try to get our money back, but it's all gone. Please share this story with others. Hmm. And every time I even paraphrase and I get emotional. And so when Matt said on one of his number five, you should expect to see a lot of documents, this woman immediately felt that she's like, why isn't there a bunch of documents to sign? And there wasn't. And then she was pushed to the side. Don't you trust me? And the woman shouldn't be in this deal. Oh my gosh. Um, and so it broke my heart. I've kept that letter and I've tried to share it whenever there's an appropriate time. So Mm -hmm. I think that sums it up. You know, another great lesson there is trust your instincts too. When you, you know, we have these instincts and I think, you know, I hit 40, you know, this year. And I like to think to myself as old and wise now, but. Um, <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah, I looked at you and said, old and wise. I won't. Yeah, if I'm going to be, you know, my kids think I'm old, you know. Um, so yeah. I like to think I'm old and wise. But anyways, um, you know, I, I just know as I've gotten older, let me just say it that way. Um, there are instances where, where you do need to trust your instincts and where I've regretted it and been like, ah, I knew I should have trust my instincts. I just didn't feel right on that one. And so like this lady in your example, I mean, her instincts were like, this isn't right. It doesn't feel right. And particularly for that sum of money. And so trust your instincts too. And this rolls into number six, investigate the background of the person you're investing with. Okay. Again, go back to what would the bank do? If the bank's going to loan someone money, they're going to do a credit check. They're going to look into the background. Are you employed? Let me see a paycheck stub. You know, like they're going to go into this. Have you filed bankruptcy before? They're going to ask these questions and look into it. So, and also when you're looking into someone to invest with, trust your instincts too. Don't let them sell you on a pitch. One thing I think that's really important is when you're investing, the con the the deal, whether it's a real estate deal or a new business or whatever it may be, the concept is important, but s- equally important, I think, is the person behind it. Okay, and because that person's controlling in the end whether you get paid back or not. So, so uh, investigate the background of the person um, you're investing with. Okay, and I got number fifteen, and I'm going to save it as a ooh climate. little teaser. Yeah, a little teaser for the end here. Okay. I like it. Okay. Get around 15. That'll be good. Yep. And I put trust your instincts um, in, in this investigate persons. Okay, now I got a good story. Now, for some of you that are watching on YouTube, I'm not in the sexy studio today with the panel screen behind me and the little Dave Ramsey desk and all those goodies. I'm on location in Cedar City, Utah, and that's where our home office is. We started here 20 years ago. It's about two hours north of Vegas, Red Rock Mountains, kind of what you'd see in that Indiana Indiana Jones uh, uh, Last Crusade. Uh, Thank you, point number two. Uh, (laughs) Killing um, it. Killing it. uh, Killing me, Smalls. That's a point for me. All right. Okay, fair enough. Um, But I remember, as I'm looking out the window right here, we had an office down down the hill here. And I can see the rooftop of it. And I remember literally where I was sitting when this happened. So 
uh, this is about 15 years ago when we were in our other building. And uh, these clients, um, I think they were from Vegas. They had emailed over and faxed up. Remember fax machines? Kind of an exciting time <laughs> in life. Uh, yeah. So they faxed over. I said they had loaned, it was a daughter and her mom had loaned someone close to 150 grand, somewhere in there. I knew it was, I remember it being over 100, but it wasn't over 200 grand. And I said, okay, tell me, give me the terms. What did you do? And she goes, I go, I go so they're not paying you. Nope. And I said, well, send me the documents that you signed. And there was silence. And I go, you have some signed documents, right? And it was, she goes, yeah, but it's just one page. I'm like, okay. And I, and they already knew they were in hot water and I didn't yeah. want to demean them. They were already wounded. So I was trying to console them through it too. And I said, well, send over what you got. And they sent it over. And it was one of those fax machines, you know, <laughs> ripping it off the fax machine, uh, clear and present danger. Harrison Ford rips it off the, uh, the fax machine. And um, I get an extra point for quoting a movie with Harrison Ford in both movies. Um, okay. So then, <laughs> I and I go, okay, and who are these people? And they go, well, we met them at an investment club. I was like, okay, um, well, who are they? And and they go, well, they're just in our club. And so I said, okay, well, I said, let me look into it. So I got off the phone, and the first thing I remember, and Deborah Stanton, one of my employees that's still with me today, I love her, she, I said, Let's run this, you know, Google. Google existed back then, people. Oh, okay. I said, this was not Ask Jeeves or, no. <laughs> I went to Ask Jeeves. <laughs> Ask Jeeves. <laughs> Who is so-and-so? <laughs> yeah. so I went over to the Commodore 64, pulled out the joystick. Beep, beep, yeah. beep. <laughs> you know, put their names in. Uh, <laughs> um, and I go, um, put their names in. Not a good thing. One of the first things that came up, was like this charge investigation da 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 by the within an hour we had printed out several reports that they had been operating under close to 15 aliases and i was sick to my stomach and i knew their money was long gone and these people were now getting chased down um a lot of times by the time you've lost your money there's already an investigation going on um, yeah like it just all unravels at once usually. And so um, we had to have that hard phone call and send it over back via fax and send them this, you know, report of all these aliases. And it was just so sad, but it took us an hour. It took us an hour just yeah. Googling their names. And you can go now online and pay 25 bucks for a background check on people. And if someone's asking you for money and they're not willing to sell, share their social security number or a tax ID number or their full name, their birth date, if they're not willing to share that, you got the wrong person anyway. So when Matt says investigate persons, you might be thinking, well, I can't hire Magnum PI. No, just get on the web, <laughs> look to, you know, get a report on a um, on some sort of uh, uh, background check, and it can be very affordable. Uh, you can't call Jim Rockford. That one, that's a little Rockford Files, baby. Yeah, Remember see, that? I don't know Rockford Files. You've dropped that one before, and I've always been, I don't know that. I know Magnum PI because 
I'm yeah. a, I'm a, I'm a fan of short shorts. Um, yeah. I've always rocked the short shorts. They're kind of getting popular now, but I've okay. always rocked the short shorts, you know, yeah. like, yeah, like a true. seven inch, seven inch, you know, uh, insane. Shorts. Yeah, it's yeah. gotta be like above the knee, anything shorts below the knee. Those are not shorts. Okay. Yeah. Those are, those are short pants. Those are not shorts. Yeah. Anyway. Matt's calling those John Stockton's They're called John Stockton. Yeah. They're John Stockton's. <laughs> Yeah, back in the nineties, everybody's going long time. Yeah, and John Stockton's still out there with his eight-inch cut, and you know, feeding Malone the passes. And I don't know if you noticed the NBA. A lot of players are wearing short shorts now. It's coming back, especially younger Mm -hmm. players. I'm telling you, trendsetter. Okay. Um, Okay. You got a story? I can tell this one. Okay, I got it. Here's what's that? I'm going to tell. Here's the principle. Now it's your turn. Okay. Okay. Okay, here's the principle. If someone says, you got to move now, you got to hurry, we're going to lose the deal, send the money over, we'll do the documents later. If there's any pressure at all, it doesn't mean you don't do the deal. Just back up. The hair should go up on the back of your neck and you go, all right, maybe there's some pressure. I get it. But let me investigate a little more carefully. Um. And then the second point I'd make is I will make you a promise on this podcast right now. Matt hates it when I make promises, but I'm going to make this promise and I will stand by it. All right. There will be another deal next month. There'll be another deal, people. And the one deal that you're going to miss, trust me. Now, this doesn't mean you can go into analysis paralysis and never pull the trigger. But if you're feeling pressure from someone you got to be able to say, you know what? There'll be another deal. It's not, you know, yeah. this guy didn't come up with sliced bread. You know, I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Story, example, anything? Yeah. yeah, this is actually a positive one. I'll keep, you know, we're always giving like the negative here, but I'll give a positive one. So um, we had a client that um, was wanting to loan money, kind of like a hard money loan on a real estate deal that was basically in crisis. Okay, there was a, a first position note that was wanting to basically foreclose. There was plenty of equity in the property. And um, but the the investor owner thought they had a buyer. They weren't stressed about getting more money in time. The sell fell through for whatever reason. I don't know. But my client comes in to basically save the day. Now, they were under significant pressure. They had like 48 hours to get this thing funded. Hmm. And so you had a time crunch. Now, what did that client do? They devoted the next two days entirely to doing all the due diligence, making sure everything was done right, getting the documents done, getting title involved, getting everything recorded, and really jumping through all the hoops, okay? And in many ways, that's sometimes how you can find some opportunity, particularly in like the private lending space and stuff like this, where there's people are willing to pay higher rates and points for short-term loans, but- you only do that when you can adequately jump through all the hoops. And if you're smart, now this client was well-known in their space as a private money lender and someone that could do a deal fast because they knew how to analyze it fast. They had the team, they had the docs, mm-hmm. they had the clothing system. They knew how to check title fast. You know what I mean? And so um, so that was one that is like, you know, we saw it turned around within 48 hours. And I've probably seen some faster than that. Um, so it can be done, but- don't think, well, I better, you know, if I, if you can't, if you don't have the time to review it and understand it yourself, get professionals involved for the pieces you don't know, 
engage title if that's applicable, you know, if they're supposed to be a lien, you're loaning on real estate, for example, you know, to check the background of the person. If, if you don't have time to do that type of stuff that we're talking about here, then don't invest. But sometimes you actually can if you focus, bear down, as they say in Arizona. That's an Arizona thing, bear down. Um, and, you know, get your crap done. Yeah. And I, and, and, you know, what they're going to do in that 48 hours is the list we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'd like, I'm going to, I'm going to add a writer to Matt's little example, if I may, a short one is that uh, Matt, I like what he said. If you don't have the time to, cr- you know, to get this due diligence done yeah. in that period, don't do it. And he, and then Matt alluded to this. And I'm going to say, if you don't have the skills, you, yeah. you may have time, but you don't have the skills yeah. or resources that short time. And this draws me back to the year in high school in, when I was a junior and played on the high school varsity team. Um, Wait, I played on the was basketball. Basketball. Okay. You did not, you left yeah. that out. Okay. okay so high school basketball um, varsity team as a junior. Now, some of you may okay. go, wow, Mark, I, you know, I'm tall. I'm six two. Some of you are like, wow, you must've been really good. No, I was from a small high school, and the rest of the team was finishing up the football season. Um, <laughs> they'd gone to state in football, and I my graduating class was sixty two people in this farm town in Washington State. So the same guys that were the starters in the football team were the same starters in the basketball team, and then they were the stars of the baseball team. You know, that's how it kind of works. Mm-hmm. When you only have thirty guys to play with, half of them are nerds, and the other half they're the star players. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll let you figure out which group. This I was makes in. more sense. This makes more sense. Keep going. <laughs> it's come together for you. Okay. So, <laughs> so the whole school is traveling to go watch the football players play in state. And the basketball coach was like, damn, we got our first game tonight. There's no fans. They're all gone. And I've all got with scrubs. <laughs> Hence, I got to start. See, I can always say I started basketball as a junior for this one game. And, uh, but it got down to the game down to the wire of this game. And it was like, you know, it was buzzer beater moment. It's like the movie Hoosers point for me. And uh, my coach was like, you get in this huddle. And if you've ever been there, the coach is really in a a perplexed moment because they has to choose who's going to take the shot. And we've got three seconds to get down the court and take the shot. You know, so you, there's pressure. And you guys are down. You guys are down. You got to make this to, to win or tie or whatever. Yeah, that's right. We got to okay. get down the court in three to four seconds, take a shot. And this is kind of like the deal. You know, it, you know, pressure's yeah. okay. We got to have time to do the due diligence or you got to have the skills yeah. to that in that time period. Okay. Um, so the coach, I remember this fateful moment in my life. I've gone through a lot of therapy, so I can talk about it now. The coach looks around at the five of us, you know, <laughs> he looks at me. It wasn't that look you want. You know? <laughs> but the look, like, I've got faith in you, look. That was not, it was kind of like, I want to win this one. Don't give it to Kohler, you know? And so uh, <laughs> I thought he was going to be like, I'm going to play a wild card here. Let's give it to Kohler. <laughs> Why the hell not? <laughs> that would have been more than a wild card. This guy's like, my my career's riding on this. Um, I've got to have a winning season. And uh, I'm gonna he's, giving, that- he's like, I'm going to be like, 
I'm gonna be coaching like the badminton team if I, if I don't win this game. I gotta get. I gotta win here. That's right. If if we were down to the wire in the badminton team, I might have gotten the call. You know, That's but right. uh, this is you know this is varsity basketball, which in a small town is a big deal too. It just happened. Okay, everybody yeah. was tailgating across the state. You know, so um, he looked at me and I didn't have the skills, so we gave it to someone else. Um, I really don't remember if we won or lost. I just remember that look. You know. You just remember like being like passed over and being like, yeah. you don't got it, kid. <laughs> you don't got it. <laughs> well, you know what? Just at least you made the team. You know, Michael Jordan didn't even make the team his first time, right? So, you know, That's you true. made the team. It's all right. There you go. So, I mean, therapist said, <laughs> Mark, you talk about this. It means you're healed. You know, so like we had a breakthrough in today's session. This is I have not heard that story yet. That, you know, this is a new level of intimacy. Um, well, I'm going to share it with you and the thousands of listeners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. now some people, got the skills. some people got the skills. So, and okay. I'll say this, if you're a new investor, this list is more important. If you're a seasoned investor, some of these tips like, Ooh, I should be thinking about that. And I've been burnt on that. And I'll say this too. You're going to lose on some deals. You're going to get burnt on some stuff, okay? Not every non-traditional investment is going to work. And I got a little summation here, like summary at the end I want to give, but... Okay, save um, it. We got to hurry. Keep okay. that in mind. All right. Okay. Now Ready it's number nine. Okay, I got eight. Okay, we're on eight. We got to move. Okay. Right, so it's my turn, eight. I'm going to summarize it and then use story. Okay. Make sure your lawyer is representing you. Um. So I think that's pretty yeah. self-explanatory, but it's common on smaller deals. I think it's common. And, and we do this at our firm, yeah. you know, partner come to us and say, we, we don't want to hire four different lawyers. We've got four partners here. Can you represent the entity? And yeah. our, our legal team knows to pass around what's called a conflict waiver. And everybody says, yeah, I like Kevin, Jerem, Lee, Christy, Darren, you know, the team, Devin, they're, they're like, Yeah. I'll, I'll use one of your lawyers to represent the whole of us. Yeah. And that can be acceptable. Um, but we want to make sure our clients at least understand that that's what's happening because you, you want to make sure your lawyer is, you, you got to make sure whose side of the table they're on. So I don't know any right. story or example, Matt to. Yeah. To yeah. I mean, I've had that one many times. I get a client will send me documents and they'll say, well, their lawyer reviewed it for us. <laughs> For us, are you sure that lawyer wrote that for you? <laughs> that's kind of like, like your spouse. You know, you're in divorce court, and you're like, "Well, I I got a lawyer for us. Don't worry, our lawyer's here. Our lawyer, <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> so, um, so you'll want to engage your own attorney, and, and you know, like Mark said, if it's the partnership situation, you might have a lawyer rep- representing the group and kind of trying to draft the, the kind of normal terms between the partners, but you should still look at, do I need my own counsel? And should I get my own advice for my specific situation? If you're doing six figures or more on an investment in particular, get your own lawyer, have your own lawyer look at it. Even if our firm drafted it, you know, get your own lawyer to, to look into it for your interest and advocate for you and what you need in the deal. Yeah. Um. Oh my gosh. Ooh, that brings me back. I, that's number eight. And Matt, you're going to explain number nine, seek opinions of others. But I yep. want to go back to number one. Um, just one quick side note, and there's stories of this with Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
Um, it's a longer story. I'm just going to truncate it. When he was a brand new actor, he got taken advantage of in one of his first deals. And there was a language barrier coming from Austria to the U.S. and this and that. And he tells the story of, I was never going to sign anything again unless I understood the document. Now, Matt said earlier in number one, understand the deal. And so I want to yeah. kind of amend that one to say, understand the deal and what you're signing. Those are two different yeah. things. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. It brings Matt's famous quote. A good deal, yeah. turd, whatever. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a bad contract, you have a bad deal. Just like Arnold saw, you know, if what was in the document at the end of the, the day isn't what he thought he was getting, that deal sucks. And so, and we've seen this, we see people like, you know, Arnold may have been able to make money in his deal or whatever it was, but, and it was a good deal, but the contract sucked. Yeah. A bad, what did you say before? A bad? If you have a bad contract, you have a bad deal. Yeah. A good deal can't be. Uh, a good deal can turn bad with a bad contract. I've heard you say it that yeah. way too. Yeah, that way and too. Yeah. People, yeah, and a lot of people put on their blinders. They say, this yeah. is such a good deal. And I believe you. It's a good deal. Yeah. I get it. But your contract sucks. Yeah, yeah. it sucks for you. <laughs> it's a good deal in general. Just your piece of it actually sucks. As Arnold yeah, found yeah. Out. So understanding the deal. And I think a lot of times when you say the lawyer represents you, this is the last point I'm going to make on that. The lawyer is not there to protect you entirely. A lot of times people say, well, I have my lawyer look at it. And then they want to sue the lawyer because the deal went bad. Really, what we've been trying to teach our associates for years is the lawyer's job is to help interpret the document, to help explain what you're getting into. We're not going to yeah. rubber stamp the deal. We're going to say that this document says this. Is that what you wanted? Yeah. And so we're there as kind of an interpreter. And so when you meet with your lawyer, it's not for that. In fact, I had this last week, Matt. This is, I had a really volatile phone call with some people. And uh, because the client got on and said, Mark, I want you to tell me if this, the document is going to protect me. And I go, well, what do you want? Well, I want this success in this deal. Well, I can't guarantee success in the deal, but I can tell you what the document tells you. And he didn't like that. And so yeah. uh, also people were selling and were jerks and it didn't go well. But um, Okay. Your top diet. Number nine, seek right. opinions of others. Yeah. Seek opinion of others. I think uh, this could be other investors, business owners, people whose judgment you respect. A lot of times, particularly if you get hyped up on something, some investment, um, talking it through with someone can expose the some things mm. you might otherwise notice. And, um, and so, and I think we've all been down that road, whether it's something we've gotten into, whether it's, I don't care what it is. It could be anything that you get excited about, but then you explain it to someone else, someone whose judgment you trust or a close friend, partner, whatever it may be. And they're like, eh, what about this? What about that? And you can start to reflect back. So before you invest, I always like seek out some opinions from other investors. It's not like it's just the lawyer that will help you, or maybe you engage your CPA if there's some tax issues. Okay. It's also just from a global, just like business. Is this a good idea? Maybe it's real estate. You want a real estate professional's opinion on it. Like seek out those people's opinions, talk through it. Um, I think it helps expose the weaknesses in the deal and you're the things you might be missing. I love it. Okay. Now I'm going to, instead of maybe a specific story, I want to give two, uh, expand on that with two points. One is it's not so much that I may want the opinion of Matt. 
like I may say, I've got this deal and I want Matt's opinion. It's that I, the, one of the major benefits is that I have to explain it to Matt. Yeah. And as you're saying it, we've all, I'm used alluded to this. We do it all the time between us. I mean, you and I will argue or something and it's like, you'll explain. And and then we're kind of like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I came in so confident on that point, but now that you say that. (laughs) Have you ever had that with your friend? Like Matt will sit there and I'll explain the deal and I'll go, yeah, you're right. It sucks. And you go, (laughs) I didn't say anything. Yeah. I know it sucks because you verbalized it, you know? Um, Yeah. I okay, Ocean's Eleven. You know when he's at the bar, and he's like, uh, and you know Brad Pitt would be like, yeah, we really need Eleventh Guy, and, and or no, maybe it was uh, uh, Daniel Ocean, uh, played by George Clooney, is explaining it, and Br- he looks at Brad Pitt, and Brad Pitt doesn't say anything, and he's like, yeah, you're right, we need another guy, um, and so it's kind of when you verbalize it, you already know the answer. Yeah, um, yeah. The second thing I was going to say, seeking opinion of others. And I hate to play marriage counselor here, but I'm going to. And maybe you're not married, but you have a significant other. If you're going to do a deal, talk about it with your significant other. I don't care if you're the male or the female, the spender, the saver, whatever role you play in your relationship. I've seen so many marriages go down the toilet because they went and did the deal without talking about it with the most important other. And that's your spouse. Make sure you're talking about it. And sometimes you know they're going to say no. Maybe there's a reason why they're going to say no. And if your spouse says no to everything, maybe you've got a bigger issue you need to deal with before you go do an investment. Yeah. Um, but you got to be on the same page. That was so wise. All right. Ooh, uh, thank you. Okay, my number 10, I want to save for last. You got your last one, but let's hit yours, that you, if you don't mind, because it ties into yeah, my okay. final. We'll put your the comfortable one at 15. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's go over to number 10. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, I've got a story to go with that. So I don't know, Matt, do you want to explain it or should I just go with it or don't put all your eggs in one basket? I'll give an example on 12. Okay. So number 10, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I was meeting with, I'll just use Brian, one other example, this friend, family member. Um, I didn't know he's listened to the show because I always got it. Um, and, uh, he was telling me about this investment, and I said, okay, yeah, that's cool. That's, it could work. But let's not put your entire retirement in that. You know, he was self-directing. had about, you know, um, I'm not going to say what dollar figure. Um, and he, and but he was thinking of really putting the bulk of his retirement in this self-directed format into an investment. And I said, even if it's a good deal, you don't want to put all your eggs in that one basket. And right when I said it, we both looked at each other and we said, yep, it rung true. And it, like Matt said, it's got to feel good inside. And he was like, done. And, and maybe he'll throw X dollars at it. Um, and whether you have a hundred grand and you're going to put 25 into something, or you have a million dollars and you're going to put 250 grand into something, you mm-hmm. can allocate 25% to something and try it out, but don't put all your eggs in one basket. So. Yeah, that's such good advice. And I think right now with all the the things we've seen this last month with crypto and GameStop stock and AMC and all these things that have just been like crazy up and down, um, that's such wise advice. And, you know, the advi- advisors would call it diversification, right? That's what they're going to call it and make it sound all yeah. fancy. Um, but I always like of, of Google, you know, the company Google and how they manage their money, like they're reinvesting in their own technology and what they know. 
Um, but they have these things. And I think a lot of the tech companies do this too. They have kind of these like moonshot ideas where they're like, Ooh, we're going to put a little side of our budget over here for this like moonshot idea that like, if it hits, it's big. This is going to be a breakthrough technology, but we might know it's never going to hit and it's just going to be a zero. And so, but they budget for that and they think about that and they're, they're, they're careful managing those expectations. I think the same is for your investments. If, if it is a, a more risky thing, like let's say GameStop stock right now, um, or cryptocurrency, for example, um, these are things that are kind of like moonshot type things, you know, and, and so don't go all in on it. But just take a measured approach because if it does hit like you think it is, let's say crypto in 10 years is what, you know, you follow the pundits who are big crypto fans, like, you know, 10% of your portfolio or 5% or even 1%, that could be a pretty huge return. You don't need to go all in. I think some clients like, if I put all my money in, I can make I can make $100 million. Why don't you just put 10% in and make 10 or 1% in and put make one because that way you don't lose everything if you're wrong? I don't know. I love it. I love it. I thought you were going to talk about um, the moonshine idea, um, and a little goes a long way. Uh, usually, you know, yeah, you're careful. looking at 180 proof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like Everclear. You, you know, we all in high school. I think most people that ever dab, dabbled in alcohol or something, you know, they had that one experience with uh, Everclear, which is kind of the branded label of moonshine. Yeah, it's not a good experience. Yeah, you wanted. <laughs> yeah, to- luckily I see clear of that. I do yeah, like we- shout out to Everclear, the '90s band, the '90s band Everclear, pretty great. Yeah, they are. Uh, they're good. They're great. Okay. okay, you said you had a good example. Was it the difference between lender partner investor or watch out for affinity fraud? Ooh, I could do one on either, but okay, um, I'll explain. Well, let's explain. Yeah, explain lender partner investor. Okay, I'll explain that, and then maybe you got a good example. Um, and I know this show is longer than usual, everybody, but it's that important. I, you know, we're, we're probably over our limit, but you know what? That's okay. We're here to get, yeah. we want to, we're, we're almost okay. there. We're almost there. You're almost there. You're almost there. These are so good. You probably listen to the podcast over two or three drives. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> right. okay. I, got, I want to get onto something else. What happened in the yeah. Super Bowl? If Matt was telling dumb stories and jokes that so we'd be through it, I know it bothers you. Okay. So number 11. Guilty is charged. No difference between lenders, partners, and investors. Now, I have a whole video of this in my uh, little tax and legal library at markjcolor.com. I've got a, this is in one of the chapters of my books, too. I know Matt talks about it. But let me just, in summary, you can't be all three of them. In fact, I argue many times you can't be two of them. You're either a lender, you're a partner, or you're an investor. And in summary, quickly, a lender loans money. It's a fixed rate of return, interest points. There's a term, there's security, yada, yada. A partner is a voter. It's a democracy. You get to play with a two or three people, maybe five or six at the most. You're having regular meetings. There's complete disclosure. You're making decisions. And even if you have a small vote, you have a vote. And if many, if several of you partners get together and vote as a block, you can take out the main dude. Say, you know what? You're not doing your job. So it, it and, and the main dude has got to know that, you know, so this is a partnership, typically an LLC. You're all involved from the beginning. You get a big piece of the upside and you get a big piece of downside. It's a partnership. An investor, the best way I like to describe this is a silent partner. If you're a silent partner, you're an investor. 
And when I have people come to me and go, hey, I'm going to raise money with a bunch of people. And I get to call the shots. Oh, so you want silent partners? Oh, yeah, I want silent partners. An investor. <laughs> and so that means you're going to have a new friend called the SEC, and you're going to have to file documents and make sure the SEC is cool with this because they don't want you to have silent partners unless you disclose all the plans you have and you can't make big promises. Well, I want to make big promises or people won't invest with me. Now we're to the heart of the issue. So investors are silent partners. They get, they put in money. Eh, they may make more than their interest rate, but you're not going to get a big piece of the upside or a big piece of the downside because you're an investor. You can lose your money, but anyway, so know the difference between those. So when someone pitches you, the thing in your head should be going, okay, where do they want me? They want me as an, you want to be figuring out where they're going to categorize you. They're going to use lots of flowery language. They're going to wine and dine you on the golf course or out for a steak dinner. But in the end, you're one of those three. Yeah. Um, the, one that I see a common problem here is people who are raising money. And so let's say you're on the investor side looking to invest and there's like 20 or 30 people going in on this and they just have a regular LLC operating agreement. They tell you you've got voting rights. They don't do any of the SEC stuff for a PPM. There's no offering document or offering memorandum. They did not file anything, a Form D with the SEC. And they're basically, it's like a partnership that's gone overboard. They've gone too far. They've taken it too far. You've seen the guy at the gym that went too far with the steroids. That's right. That's right. They went too far. All right. And so, uh, so those are the ones where I think, that's probably the biggest mistake. And I, I have to say, those seem to be the deals that fail the most. Yeah. They are. I say the deal is not sophisticated. They're yeah. they're being cheap. Um, they're being lazy. And but they're willing to take money from lots of people and aggregate you all into a group. So um, so that that's probably the one I would really watch out for the most. The the lender is straightforward, right? You're 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 Playing the banker, like we talked about, you're getting a loan, you're securing it on title in some way. The partnership, you got voting rights. It's a small group, like Mark said. The investor and kind of this is the one where you got to be a little more wary. Make sure you're getting the right docs, as we talked about. Yeah, gosh, I set you up for such a sweet little stand-up rant. Steroid one? Oh, yeah. You're like, you're saying too many partners in a partnership is just too many steroids on that guy at the gym. You know, you went a little too far. Or the Or the woman that's like, a little Botox. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Matt, Matt goes around in Scottsdale, Arizona. He sees a little too much Botox once in a while, right? Come on. Yeah. No? There's a little Botox. Now I will say I'm going to get some Botox because look at this forehead. Any of you on the video? Look at the, the oh. lines on my forehead. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Uh, which brings up a yeah. story that goes down in Kohler lore. That's not enough time for this show. I got a little, bo- a little Botox before my LA box. <laughs> This was terrible. This is the worst. Terrible. Yeah. Look up angry eyes. Just yeah, Botox. Mark, Mark's eyes were like this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the lady at Fox was scared. She's like, uh, get this guy off the t- stage. You know, <laughs> get him off the set. Yeah. Botox. But see, that's the difference. In, in Scottsdale, the Botox you get here, they know what they're doing. All right. In Idaho, the Botox you get up there, they're still figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> touche touche all right number 12 
Oh my gosh, but this is so good. Number 12, watch out for affinity fraud. We had an SEC um, investigator that had retired out of DC and uh, had written a book on fraud. So smart, so uh, well-spoken. We got to have the guy back. It was like three or four years ago. Um, and when we interviewed him, I was really excited to ask him, what's the number one type of fraud out there? Yeah. See, a hundred years ago, it was, you got held up behind the building with a knife or a gun, you know, that robbery. That was <laughs> robbery. <laughs> now it's this, you know, type of paper, white collar crime type fraud where your, your identity's stolen or people take your money and make you promises. And so he said, the number one fraud is affinity fraud. And I was like, what's that? And he educated us on it's the person in your church. It's the person in your family. It's the person in your neighborhood. Uh, the, the person at the office around the water cooler. There's yeah. a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. And okay. I'll tell you who it is. It's uncle Roman from uncle the Roman. great outdoors, the great outdoors, <laughs> uncle Roman, Dan Aykroyd, you know, <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, with the John Candy Dan Aykroyd and Uncle Roman has is trying to swindle his brother-in-law, Chet yeah. Foley. I think it's his name, Chet Foley. It was John <laughs> Candy, and yeah. um, he's trying to base he's he's pumped him up on this fraud that he's yeah. got some great new stock to invest in, and Uncle Roman's a successful stockbroker and all this. And the classic line of that though is though. So, uh, Anyways, that's just that that's a good example of affinity fraud is Chet Foley, Uncle Roman. Okay. Don't invest no. with an Uncle Roman. Avoid Uncle Romans. Yep. Okay. Number 13. <laughs> good example, Matt. I, I can't I lost track of who's got more points with some good movie quotes. I've been trying know, to that get was, that was a three-pointer, I think. Yeah. It was fraud too. That's we... affinity fraud. See, ESPN has it down with the in the zone or whatever they call it. And there's the, the four oh, windows and they, points. yeah. And, and they're in the, in the booth going, ding, ding, ding. We need that person. We're too cheap. Yeah. Um, we don't have that. Okay. Now the next number 13 was know your terms. And, and I, I, I call it, you know, Matt, you may have not liked this adding it to the list, but I think it's an important one because this goes back to being educated and being the dumb money at the table. If you if someone throws out the word accredited investor, PPM, note, security agreement, Reg D, SEC, I, I mean, we could make a little test here of about 20 terms. And you better know darn well 18 out of 20, because if you don't know the terms, you're you're already should stop, drop and roll. You know, just stop, drop, hit the ground, roll. You're you're in a fire, you're in a fire zone. You're going you're, you're gonna to get smoke yeah. inhalation, stop, get out of there, spend some time reading some good books, listen to some good podcasts. There's always going to be another deal. Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't rush. I, and yeah. I'm not going to take time to define that. Accredited investor is a term that basically means you know what you're doing, and you should know what that definition is. And uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically it's a, if you have a million dollar net worth and you don't get to include the equity in your home, two hundred thousand income if you're single, three hundred thousand income if you're married. You know, that either one you make a lot of money or you have enough assets. The SEC's like you're accredited. You obviously smart enough to accumulate that money or to have that type of income. We'll let you invest in some of these types of non traditional, quote unquote, alternative investments. 
Yeah. And I didn't, this is a good point. Cause I had a, a, a client this week that said, yeah, I've got to sign off that I'm an accredited investor. I make at least 250 grand a year or have a million dollars in equity, not including your home. And he was relying on his W2 that was close to 250. I mean, sometimes if you have to shoehorn yourself into that definition, there's a, there's a reason why they have that line drawn in the sand. It, 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 they're trying to protect you. So if you're trying to figure out how to qualify as a, as an accredited investor, maybe you shouldn't be doing deals that require you to be an accredited investor. Yeah. Do some other things. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ooh. Okay. 14. Uh, and then we wrap up 15. So here's 14, which kind of goes along with 13. My 14, which was my grand finale, was turnkey investments aren't always what they're cracked up to be. Now, what I mean by that is kind of like this accredited investor thing. This client really wanted to do this investor investment. He wanted to be defined as an accredited investor. He was kind of shoehorning himself into it, which I and and I think sometimes controlling your own investment. And not jumping into the security deal, not jumping into the PPM is okay. Go knock yourself out on a little fixer-upper or a little fix-and-flip. And you may say, I don't know how to do a fixer-upper. Well, you sure as hell don't know how to pick a PPM or, you know, PPM. So at least you control the deal. Sometimes being number 38 out of 122 investors isn't the best deal for you. And, and so... You, it, 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 sometimes we think that grass is always greener. And so just because you want to do a security deal and these guys are making millions, you might be better off buying a little rental and putting your grandkids in it or buying a little rental and putting your college kid in it and, and getting a 10, 20% rate of return there that you control your own destiny and your exit. Buying into a PPM doesn't mean you can always get out when you want to. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That's my take there. Any advice, Matt? You'd agree? Or, yeah. No. Or, great. I I think one of the biggest lessons I've seen just is in working with successful clients, clients that have big self-directed accounts, is um, great investments aren't sold; they're found. Okay. And mm-hmm. when yeah, and so when when I see clients make a really good deal, they find that deal. They go out and source it. They, they negotiate it. They make the deal. Now, those clients also will make deals. They find a deal like that to bring other people in, but they're not going to get the same deal the person that found it is. You know what I mean? They're going to cut them in at a different rate of return or a different v- variety. And I just did one last week of a client that's going to make about, on a, it's a, it's a $2 million real estate deal, it's going to make about $400,000 on it within a month or two. And brought in some other people that are going to make, you know, tens of thousands of dollars um, for putting some money in to help pull the deal off in a short period of time. But um, but that deal was found, okay? And so now deals can be sold. You know, I, I have some clients with really big accounts that are in PPMs that have had great returns. And but it's, you know, you, you, just, you just don't know. But I've just, that one principle I think is important. And right? I've got a quote. Found, sold. I love say it one more time because I cut you off. Yeah, great deals are and great investments are found, not sold. Okay. And these are, of course, general rules that 
There's always an exception. And I've got a good quote that I'm going to throw out when you uh, talk about number 15. Number 15. All right, number 15. This is my final one, and I'll give my little speech on it, and then I'll let you close this out, Mark. Is that cool? Okay. All right. All right, this is my last one. Be comfortable saying no. I think a lot of people get into something, they meet somebody, maybe it's the investment club Mark mentioned, or it's the the family friend or the neighbor, and they get enough down the conversation, they feel like they can't say no. They've talked Mm -hmm. about it too much. They promised this person, this person has some expectation on the other side, and they just, for whatever reason, people just get a little too committed. They get a little bought in themselves too much emotionally. You've got to be comfortable saying no and taking the emotion out of it. And I, but I, what I want to say at the end here is don't be scared about non-traditional investments. I don't want people to hear about due diligence and think, well, this just means I should just invest in a mutual fund and just you know do nothing. Okay. No, I'm not saying that, but know what you're doing. Um, there's a lot of non-traditional investments, a rental property that you own or your self-directed retirement account owns, that's very low risk, you know, compared to buying cryptocurrency, which could be very high risk, you know, or maybe something in the middle, a private placement that could have big returns, but also is a little unregistered and you don't know, you know, so, so just be measured in that. But I'll say this, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. Ask a lot of questions, demand additional documents, and be cool saying no. And and just remember that the best person to protect yourself is you. So do it. Okay. Woo. All right. right. And dude, your summary plays right into my quote that I was going to give. Shake and bake. All right. Yeah. Shake and bake, baby. Ooh. Talladega night. Boom. Boom. Okay. You're really me up there. All right. Some it's easy to say be comfortable saying no, but how do you do it? You need something, sometimes an excuse. So one that is easy that I would love many of you to use is say, I promised Mark or Matt I'd have them look at it before I go forward, and I've entrusted them. And if they make make us the bad guys, if they say no. It just doesn't fit my overall plan right now. I need to rely on those guys. So you can always make the law firm here or accounting firm the bad guy. So that that might give you a way up. But here's the one I love. Stay in your lane. And what I mean by that is you have some expertise. You might be great in the engineering space. And you might be good in the pharmaceutical space. You might be great in the real estate space. You've spent your whole career, your whole life being good at some type of industry. Those are the type of PPMs you want to look for because you're going to be better at it. And you can look for non-traditional investments. I love it. If if you're good in pharmaceuticals, um, you're going to look for a startup or a PPM or a small project where you know the industry a little bit, you know the insiders, you know the play. Now, if you want to go buy a mutual fund and pharmaceuticals, fine. But look for a non-traditional investment in your lane. Stay in your lane. If you're good in, in as an engineer, maybe going and doing a real estate PPM is not the best move. Go do it. Do a PPM that you kind of know about your industry, um, and and take action. Don't get in analysis paralysis. Uh, and it's okay to tell someone, you know, it's just not in my lane. 
you know, it's a great deal. I appreciate it, bro, but it's not for me. Yeah, you can even one other one I I like to use. I've I found an, I had another deal that I went in on. You know, something else is more clear cut and straightforward and a better deal. And sometimes that brings that person back that wanted to do a deal with you to be like, well, let me see how I can sweeten it. Because if you really did like that deal and you wanted more time, um, sometimes that's another one is just like, I ended up going in on another deal, but hit me back up later if you got something else. You know, yeah. I, I like yeah. using that one. And I've seen clients use that. Uh, one of my biggest clients use that on a deal for like a hotel. Okay. This is, this is lot, last story, but um, he basically turned them down. And I was involved in the conversation, some of the negotiations, and this was millions of dollars. He was the big funder basically going to blow their deal. And he basically turned them down. And what happened a few months later, they came back with a way better deal um, Mm. for him and said, all right, I'll do it under these terms. And so, but he got in control. That's the thing you don't realize as an investor holding the money, the control you have, you have a lot of power with it. So you should use that um, to your advantage. Oh, and gosh, this is such a great podcast. I'm going to go out and limb and say that. And yeah. I want to, you know, a good show to watch to give you the good cojones and 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 ammo for this stuff. Watch Shark Tank. Watch yeah. it just over and over again. I I and it's funny sometimes. You know, Cuban will give a offer, and then uh, there's so many different players there. I'm going to screw it up. If I, um, but yeah. another uh, Branson is on there now on occasion, and Branson just to piss off Cuban will go. I'll give you a better deal, you know, and, and yeah. the person representing just holds out. Sometimes they hold out long enough that someone else throws out a better deal. And uh, if you're not good at playing poker, involve someone in the negotiations that is. I'll tell you right now, Matt Sorensen is my partner for a reason. He is so good at this. I'm a little more dramatic. Some of you may have noticed. Um, <laughs> Mr. Sorensen is a smart cookie. And so... Uh, have a partner like that. And this is why it's always good to, once they give you the offer, step back, well, go share it with those other people. Go have your lawyer review it. You're, no one's going to expect you to say yes. The minute they lay it out on the kitchen table, take your time. Um, and, and, yeah. and there, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I, you know, and on that final note of diversity, just because someone says be diverse it doesn't mean you're going to invest in real estate, uh, you know, some sort of nutrition supplement, uh, an auto dealership. You can diversify in your lane, you you know, in your freeway. You can you can find revenue. It's still in an industry at least you're familiar with, in, in non traditional investments even more so. So uh, don't take when we say diversify, it doesn't mean you got to be an expert in four different industries. You know, I don't want you to start doing import export from Asia because you need to diversify. You know, if you don't have any, don't know anything about that. Don't yeah. do it. No. Yeah. So, yeah, he, I believe he's an importer exporter. He's an importer exporter. <laughs> Bambley industry. Bambley industry. Have you heard that? Yeah. yeah. What's he, what kind of business is he in? Okay. Um, well, okay, you take us out, baby. Take us out, yeah. man. I got to show up. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this special co-production of the Main Street Business Podcast and Directed IRA Podcast. Um, You can go to MainStreetBusiness.com for Main Street Business Podcast, DirectedIRA.com slash podcast for Directed IRA Podcast. And then check out for 
my newsletter article, which will be in our newsletter, which you can get at mainstreetbusiness.com um, and at directory.com, <laughs> uh, that'll outline these top this top 15 list. I'm going to add all these items, Mark and I added in here at the end too. Um, and thanks for hanging in our, with us on this. Hopefully it was helpful. Maybe it'll save you a buck or two in the future. Thanks everybody.